Thank you, Pastor. As we continue worshiping together today, siblings, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the Gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 11. Let us receive together the Word of God. When they had come near Jerusalem and had entered Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, a foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Friends, before we pray together and reflect on this story that we've been given today, I want to share with you an update on our Lenten appeal that we receive each year to support a focused need in our community. This year, we adjusted um, as COVID-19 began to um, move into all of our communities around the world. We decided it was a need for us to address that through our Lenten appeal this year. Our goal for the appeal was set at $30,000 You'll see an update in where we are in your worship guide today, but what I want to share with you is that that is um, outdated already. This morning, we have raised, as of right now, $29,714 toward our goal. I give thanks to God for your generosity. I want to let you know that already we have uh, shared $5,700 of that received directly with partners here in our local community to provide food, medical supplies, and other critical needs. We'll continue to support Miriam's Kitchen, Pathways to Housing, Bread for the City, and other persons and organizations locally through our Greatest Need Fund. Thank you so much. We will complete this appeal next Sunday, Easter Sunday, and if you have not done so already, the needs are so great. 
We invite you to be generous as you are able. Will you pray with me? Gracious, loving, ever-present God, we give you thanks for being with us in this moment of wilderness, of this day of crossing over into these holy days. As we now reflect together on this scripture, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all hearts within the sound of my voice be acceptable to you, O God, for you and you alone are our strength, our rock, and our salvation. Let the people of God say together, Amen. Just as Jesus passed through a gate into the walled city of ancient Jerusalem, we pass through this day into the experience we call Holy Week. And Jesus entered a place that was full of danger and tension. And this day for us holds the tension of the week to come and sets it in stark relief. We celebrate today, along with many people who on that day long ago hailed Jesus as the one who brought liberation, who was bringing justice and healing. We wave our branches of all kinds. Did you see the lightsaber palms? We wave our palm branches as we join the throng through the ages who've been drawn to Jesus of Nazareth out of a deep hope for things in their lives and in their communities to change for the better. And it's tempting to stop right there, to shout Hosanna and give thanks to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But we know that the story doesn't stop there. Even in these opening moments, the story pivots quickly from Hosanna to turmoil. When he entered Jerusalem, it says, the whole city was in turmoil. That phrase hits a nerve because there's turmoil in the whole city. There's turmoil in the whole nation. There's turmoil in the whole world right now. There's turmoil as a microscopic virus upends life as we know it, as this global pandemic shines a light on all the fault lines and fissures of human relationship, of human values, of human systems at every level. There's turmoil, not just on a day more than 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, not just in that place, and time where religion and government were in bed together to protect the status quo, to support the power brokers and the privileged. Not just then was there turmoil, when masters of war and industry played their games in palaces and hallways and back alleys, not just there where tribes and cultures and religious and races mingled and clashed, but also turmoil in this place and time where the story is the same, where the context may look a little different 
but is the same. And not just in this moment of our history, but it's been that way from the very beginning. Was the whole city of Jerusalem in turmoil because Jesus entered on a donkey with rising hosannas? In the old city of Jerusalem, someone entering one of the many gates of the city, even if they are entering with some flourish, could easily go unnoticed by most people in the city, unless you happen to be right there. Though from the walls of the city, from the rooftops, I imagine that things were monitored and that word could spread pretty quickly. You see, Jesus came to Jerusalem when pilgrims were flocking into the city for the feast of the Passover, a time when, according to scholars, it was standard practice for the Roman governors to show up and to come in with all their pomp and circumstance and lots and lots of their guard. They did this not out of an empathetic reverence for the religious devotion of their Jewish subjects to be there to protect and overlook them in a helpful way, but rather to be in the city in case there was trouble. And there often was, especially at Passover, a festival that celebrated Jewish people's liberation from a previous empire. Tension and turmoil, you see, would have already been stirred at this time. And then here comes Jesus, riding in on his donkey. Not a small detail. You see that donkey signals fulfillment of a well-known prophecy and the crowds who'd heard that he was one to watch hail him as the promised one, the son of David, a hearkening back to Israel's beloved king. In that Game of Thrones world, as in this one, agents of empire would have been watching closely anything or anyone they might deem a problem, a threat to their continued tendency. Jesus and his ride fit the profile. In the midst of all this turmoil, the question arises, who is this? And that's the real question, then and now. Between the moment Jesus rides in and the moment of his arrest, he makes it clear what he's there to do. Jesus immediately turns over tables to challenge a system that takes the money of the poor to prop up a system that values money and power more than prayer or people. He takes the temple leaders to task for their hypocrisy. Jesus calls out those in power for tying up heavy burdens hard to bear and laying them on the shoulders of others, but not being willing to lift a finger to help. Jesus zeroes in on the way those with money and power throw their weight around to get special treatment at all the trendy spots and to ignore matters of justice and mercy and faith. All of these things that Jesus is highlighting and speaking to with 
passion and clarity, these represent the way things are, the status quo. And Jesus is having none of this system in which every transaction is to benefit those with wealth and power to the detriment of the poor and the suffering. That is what Jesus comes to confront, the injustice of the whole system. And in the midst of this critique, Jesus also continues to practice and to preach what inspired the crowds to cry Hosanna in the first place. Jesus comes into Jerusalem and heals. Jesus proclaims that the greatest commandment is love, love of God and love of neighbor as ourselves. Jesus teaches and models that the greatest among us are not the ones who lord over others and throw their weight and their stuff around, but rather the ones who serve. And Jesus comes painting a picture of God's vision for human community, that familiar vision from Matthew 25, whoever is hungry gets fed, whoever is thirsty is given a drink. The stranger is welcomed. The naked are clothed. The sick and the imprisoned are visited and cared for. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? The answer is clear through Jesus' actions and words. Jesus is a prophetic critic of systems and agents of injustice. Jesus is a prophetic companion with the impoverished, the oppressed, the sick, and the suffering ones. Jesus is a prophetic visionary of a world in which relationships are set right, in which the idolatries of empire are toppled, and value is placed on the things that matter most of all. Jesus is a prophet, and that got him hung on a tree. What seems true through the ages is that we love our prophets once we've killed them. When they're dead, we no longer have to deal with the ways that they put before us things that we don't want to perceive, things that we don't even want to try to change, perhaps because those things are too painful or too complicated or because they're going to ask too much of us. They're going to ask us to give up something that benefits us too much. When the prophets are dead, we are free to tidy them up, to manipulate their image and their actions and their words so that they can be made to support our positions so that they no longer really ask anything of us or challenge our pettiness, our greed and selfishness, sloth and all the other things that in ways large and small lure us away from the kingdom of God 
and towards and into the numbed consciousness and habits of empire. This manipulation of dead prophets allows us to make Jesus, to answer the question, who is Jesus? By manipulating Jesus. This manipulation of dead prophets allows us to make Jesus only interested in saving souls, but not bodies, or in saving only bodies and not souls. This allows us to twist the words of Jesus into a crown of thorns we make other people wear as we sit in judgment of them. The dead prophet, Jesus, becomes the mouthpiece for pithy quotes that get made into feel-good memes instead of the disruptive and transforming words of the living God. A memory or a story of Jesus, the dead prophet, may still occasionally prick our conscience an awareness of our hypocrisy, but it's no longer really that difficult to simply move on with business as usual. Jesus, the dead prophet, can be manipulated so that we don't have to be moved by his words and actions any more than those who got swept up in the movement to crucify him. But the good news is that Jesus is more than a prophet. The words proclaimed as he rode into Jerusalem were appropriate, not just as an acclamation of praise. The hosannas were not just, you go, Jesus, yay, JC. These are cries of joy because hope in flesh is riding into town. Imagine that today, wherever you are. Imagine hope in flesh riding into your town in, in a way that you know and can trust that something good is going to happen. You see, this one has proved his worth and his power, has spent years in humble solidarity with people from all walks of life to bring love and justice and healing and renewal and restoration and life. This one is coming. This one is arriving, is putting himself at great risk, willing to lose it all to take on the things, to take on the powers, to take on the principalities, to take on the people of this world that do such harm. Hosanna! As Pastor Casey taught us before, this means save, please. Deliver us. Save us, we pray. These cries and prayers for salvation are directed toward the one who has the power to save. 
More than once over the years when I've taught confirmation class, I've done a simple exercise in which I ask the students the question, do we need a savior? I give some time to chat it over. And then I invite them to look at all the magazines and newspapers that I've presented and ask them to cut out images and phrases that might, might explain the, why we might need a savior. We put those together in a collage. Those collages are always heartbreaking. Think of the collage we could make on this day. Of all the things so deeply broken in our world. Some of which might be mended by human generosity and cooperation, but so often those are in short supply. It is true that the kingdom vision is always one in which humans participate in the mending work of God in the world. We have our part to play, and thanks be to God right now, I am seeing so many people doing just that, stepping up to participate, to find ways to care, to give, to love, and to serve, even across a distance. We have our part to play, but we can't do it alone. We need each other. We need God. We need a savior to save us from our small-mindedness, to save us from our obsession with violence, to save us from our tribalism and our factionalism that shreds the beautiful fabric of truly human bonds, bonds of friendship and tenderness and compassion and patience and compromise and creativity and love. We need a savior to restore our vision to perceive what is truly of value in this life. We need a savior to restore our hearing so we listen with compassion for understanding, to restore our minds so we're able to hold ideas in tension as we work together towards solutions, to restore our bodies from centuries of inhumane work demands and stress for some much worse than others, to restore our spirits so that we might know lightness and play, to restore our hearts so that we finally see every human as family, to restore our capacity for wonder so that we might not miss the beauty of the world even now. We don't need a dead prophet refashioned in our own image. We need a living savior who is able to restore in us God's image. And we have one, one who doesn't peddle in manipulation or shame, who doesn't peddle in violence or fear, but who simply shows us what we need to see and then gives us grace to do something about it. 
And when we falter and fail, as we inevitably do, because this stuff is hard. When we fail, our Savior is compassionate and merciful and helps us try again. In the turmoil of our lives, our city, our nation, our world, Jesus, the living Christ, enters in to move in ways both simple and profound so that we might do our part to prepare a way for the fullness of the Lord's kingdom to be made manifest on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps we can join our voices again and yet again. Hosanna, save, please. And then forever add, thanks be to God. Amen. When we break bread together as a church in our worship, we remember that Jesus invited folks to his table as part of his ministry, as a participation in God's work and life. And this was not just at the Last Supper. So we want to create a way for all of us in all the places that we are to break bread together with whatever we have at our homes. We've asked that you prepare your favorite food or have a snack nearby that you like. I see one of our folks, Young Cash, is ready to go as we gather with our loved ones for this feast. So I invite you to um, share with the group if you have a place where you can let us know online what food that you're bringing to the table for the love feast that we're going to share virtually. And you can take a picture of it or you can just post it and share what we're sharing. Um, I think my food's on the way. I've, I'm, I'm gathering with uh, my, let's see. Oh, ooh. oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I have got, ooh, that is some yummy toast with my favorite sour cherry jam. <laughs> Whoop, whoop. Come, come, come. All right. So we've got our food. We're sharing what, we, what we're eating. Oh, look who's there. Hello, everyone. So Jesus used the parable of a great banquet to which all people are invited to talk about the kingdom of God, the family of God, and what it looks like. He said, go to the highways and the back alleys. Urge people to come so that my house will be filled. He often invited the most unlikely guests to his mealtimes, and that made people really confused. In this way, he was encouraging this deep love and connection beyond the social norms. Jesus knew that we humans need connection. We need inclusion. And Jesus comforts us by saying, you have a place at the table. Jesus challenges us to make sure we're doing the same, that all people know that we are welcome. 
that they are welcome, that all are welcome in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches, even if we can't physically be with each other right now. It's difficult in this moment not to be near some of the people we love and might be worried about. So in this moment, um, this is a very interactive time of celebration and sharing. So we're going to invite you now, if you want to say out loud where you are or in the comments section, the names of persons that you wish were able to be with you or you with them today. Jesus is no longer physically on earth, yet every time we gather around a table, we call him to mind. Jesus is present with us in spirit. And so too are all those loved ones that we've just called to mind. They're with us. Let that be a deep comfort for each one of us. We also want to lift in prayer as we gather around this table, people and situations that cry out for healing and comfort. Pastor Kelly has lifted up already for us so many who are in need of our prayers this day. But we know that there may be those we know that we want to lift up. There are those whose names may be known only to others, may be only known to God. If you're comfortable, we invite you to share those situations or those names that you're praying for in the comments or to submit your prayer request on our webpage so that we can be praying along with you. And now I'm going to invite us to pray together. I'm going to offer a line of prayer. And then if there's a person or a situation that comes to mind, I invite you to lift it up silently aloud or in the comments so that we together are in prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for those who are sick and recovering. We pray for those who are caring for loved ones who are sick at home. We pray for those who are caring for persons in medical care. We pray for those who are separated from loved ones. We pray for those who are feeling alone and isolated. We pray for those who are helping and are so very tired. We pray for those who are struggling to find friends, food, and comfort. We pray for those who are afraid. I invite all of us now to take a deep breath on behalf of all those we don't know and cannot call by name. Let's breathe together. As we breathe, we know that God knows who needs our prayers. Our breath is the breath of God in us that goes out as a prayer of peace and compassion by the power of the Spirit. Once more, let us breathe together. Blessings at the table. 
are part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. When we get together to eat, a lot of us say a blessing. Indeed, Jesus adapted his Jewish ritual blessing spoken before and after meals. He asked us to remember him whenever we break bread and raise a cup in thanksgiving. This is why we call our communion prayers the Great Thanksgiving. In a feast of love and comfort now um, that my dog is joining in on, I don't know if you can hear her, um, we can call to mind those things which we're deeply grateful for. So I invite you to speak aloud a couple of things that you're grateful for in this moment. And as you're comfortable, you can post those in the comments. And now I invite you to, if you have your food nearby, to get it and just hold it in a comfortable way. We're going to say a prayer together. I'm going to invite you to repeat after me so you don't want to, like, put it up there. Your arm might get tired. Let's pray together. Please repeat after me. Holy Comforter, we gather in your name, invited by Jesus. bound together with your spirit in union with each other. Feed our bodies and our spirits with your comforting presence so that we might be your comfort to others. Bless this food and break open our hearts. Bless this drink and pour out your love. Amen. And now, let's eat. I'm gonna eat some toast. I have to keep talking. Y'all get to keep eating, but I'm gonna have a bite. Mmm, that is good. Mm-hmm. Want some? Sure. Can I have one of your petals? Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. And now we invite you to continue eating as we move to the time in worship where we're invited to offer our gifts to the church. We're going to hear from Pastor Ben. Yeah. See, I knew that was a mistake. <laughs> Well, I knew that was a mistake the whole time. But it's a really tasty biscuit. Uh, never has there been a table where there wasn't laughter. Never has there been a table where there wasn't uh, some noise and some sharing. Friends, as we go into a time of offering, I want to remind you that in this time, we continue to make uh, spaces available for people of all ages and perspectives and uh, people across different locations to be able to connect with and with one another and for uh, the work of God in this world. Mm -hmm. And we remind you in this time that uh, right now, through your gifts, uh, they're going, uh, especially those going to our, our greatest need fund, they are providing financial assistance for vital community partners working with at-risk uh, com communities in this time. Uh, they do that work all the time, but in this heightened space of, of need, they continue that work uh, and they are a, a critical lifeline. So just know that as you are continuing your, your giving as you're able, uh, and you'll see the links coming up, 
know that those gifts are going to help critical ministries uh, in this community uh, to care for those in need. We're going to hear from uh, our chancel choir. It's from a recording on January the 19th of 2020. Wayne Jennings will be our soloist. Uh, and at the conclusion of this time, we will join in singing together our doxology, which was recorded March 17th of last year. So we invite you now to join as you're able, give as you're able, and do what Spirit is calling you to do in this time.
Let's pray. Holy and loving God, whatever we are offering in this time, will you take and use it as we in our whole earth cries out, Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Will you put us into the spaces where we might be working for your kingdom here on earth? And will you take what we give and put it toward what you will? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So friends, as we continue in worship and move toward our closing, we invite you to join in singing together our closing hymn. It's number 559 in the Red uh, United Methodist Hymnal. It is Christ is Made the Sure Foundation. And we'll hear it as originally recorded on February the 16th of this year. And you'll find the words presented on the bottom third of your screen. Let us join our hearts to sing.
Amen. Friends, once again, what a blessing, what a privilege, what an honor to be with you in this space for worship today. We do pray that it has been an encouragement and has given you um, what you need to move into the week to come. We want to let you know that as we enter these holy days, there will be worship again on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Our even song service is back this week at 6.15. That's going to be shared um, on Zoom and Facebook Live. You can find information online on our website. Also, our Monday Thursday service will be live at 7 p.m. on this Thursday evening. And on Good Friday at noon, we will be sharing with you a recording from a prior Good Friday noon service uh, for you at that time. If you'd like to tune in at noon on Good Friday, we'll have a live service on seven at 7 p.m. on Friday evening. We also want to make sure that you continue to stay connected to us on Facebook and the web. Closing this time together, there are ministers of prayer available. You'll see the links and how you can connect with them uh, on your screens. We also want to make sure, if you haven't already done so, that you check in. Let us know that you've been with us in worship tape. And we hope that you will stay connected throughout the, the days ahead. Friends, we've arrived. We've crossed through and are stepping in to Holy Week. Let us walk closely with Jesus because Jesus is the one with the power to save. Let us go trusting in that extraordinary promise. And whenever you may not feel you're able, know that God holds you there too. Go into these days with peace. Go into these days in the power of God's love for you.